Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Sparks, host of the new podcast, The One Recipe, from the team behind The Splendid Table. This pod is all about that one recipe that you lean on. The one you share with friends, the one you make when you need a little love, and the one you know will work every single time. Every week, I talk with chefs and gifted cooks from all over the world about their one and the story behind it. We're here to help you build your kitchen library one dish at a time. Follow The One Recipe wherever you get your podcasts. The world is a dumpster fire. I'm Amy. And I'm Grace. And we want to help. And fair warning, our help comes with some strong language attached. Super strong. So, you know, hide your kids because we about to say some things. As a reflex to the fucking madness on the news, we're keeping it positive, uplifting, but opinionated. We talk about cultural moments we love. Talk to people we adore. Crushes we have. And self-care we stand. During these trying times, we all need a show that focuses on joy. This is The Antidote. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another week. Hi. Um, every time I think about this is The Antidote, I like want to like high five you or start doing like little kid <laughs> like patty cake. That's why I don't know. Guys, we're on like a Zoom yeah. thing together. But every time after Grace says this is The Antidote, I start like high fiving my hands like a little kid. <laughs> That's what's happening. High-fiving a thousand angels. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's, I mean, I guess every week in 2022, we're going to be like, it's been a week. Um, So it's like, this is not a new uh, thing. But, you know, on those days when I feel a little bummed out, um, my often antidote is little Kavya James. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. Uh, Queen Cobb. She's so cute and smart and, you know, has a little personality, her own little attitude. Um, I started to say sassy, but I was just like, ooh, that word is weaponized against us. No, (laughs) no, sassy's canceled. Yeah, she's uh, just a beautiful little girl living her best life with her very rich parents, uh, having all (laughs) types of uh, experiences around the world. And also, I'm just seeing that Kavya gave the tour of their new house. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, I have to watch that. But I've been watching some very cute things of her this week where she was kind of falling asleep in her car seat, like a little dance party with her mom. Mm, Yes, the dancing. I just love her little black girl magic that she seems to be so joyful and happy and taken care of. And, you know, in this world where we adults have to know so many things in order Mm -hmm. to remain informed and vote and take action and donate towards whatever causes that you feel passionately about, it's just nice to see the innocence of a little girl enjoying her little life. And uh, it's just gorgeous to see this young Black girl who already has her own like fashion line and book and everything. It just makes me so happy. I will say one of the videos that literally brought me to tears was her going to the store to see her fashion line mm-hmm. for the first time. And they're like, who's that? And she points at a poster of herself and goes, Kavya! And I was just like, I was like, as a little black girl to go to a store and literally, not figuratively, but literally see yourself in that store. Yeah. Like, I am here for all of these black millionaire actors and 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 models like Naomi Campbell and singers like uh, Beyonce and, and Cardi B and icons like Beyonce, I should say. I'm here for all of them giving their little black daughters the world. It yeah. is fantastic to see them growing up 
and being fully surrounded by love. Yes. And then also I follow this account called Bougie Babies. <laughs> it's literally <laughs> about uh, little uh, black children, um, like joyful moments. And uh, there was this one video, this little girl like was eating some chicken that I guess her dad cooked. And she was uh-huh. just like, she like tried it. And then she was just like, it's not good. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I was just like, yo, daddy can't cook. It's okay. But she really gave it a try. She gave it a college try because she took two bites. And she was just like, okay, the first bite, not good. But then the second bite, she just had to put that chicken down. And she was just like, it's not good. <laughs> that reminds me of the little girl I saw who was doing her own makeup. And her mom's like laughing at her and she's like so confused why her mom is laughing, but she has like eyeliner like on her forehead. Like she looks crazy. And she sees herself in the mirror and goes, what did I did? <laughs> what did I did? That's Impossible. So... <laughs> she's so surprised That's so that she cute. doesn't look good. That's what I'm saying. Like, um, you know, it's an argument to almost have a child. I don't know if I will, but children sort of remind you of the innocence that can exist in this world, which is beautiful. You got that right. Well, thank you, babies, um, for making Mm -hmm. us smile this week. But we got to get into the show. So as you know, we can't have an antidote if we don't have something to have an antidote from. Starting now up top with our bummer news of the week. First up, guys, the battle over student loans continues. Debt hangs over millions of people's heads and delays their chances of financial freedom. Mm -hmm. In a couple of extreme cases, people have even fled the U.S. to get away from their student loans. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't believe this. Apparently, the average student loan debt in America is around $33,000. People are waiting to hear what President Joe Biden has to say on the status of student loan debt forgiveness ahead of the ending of the student loan pause on August 31st, 2022. If people don't know, the pause was due to the COVID-19 relief. And I'm like, I'm at the point of about to be asking, what does a president do? (laughs) Because he has not been able to do anything that we need. (laughs) I think people should get their debt forgiven. I, I paid my debt, but I still think people should get their debt forgiven. Like, why not? Other countries, this doesn't exist. Yeah, I mean, there's this whole thought that, oh, I paid off my loan, so everybody should pay off theirs. Like, why are you being a hater? Like, if we can make things better for the future generation, like, why shouldn't we? And, like, why does it cost so much to go to college? And why are these loans not a 0% interest? If it's just Mm -hmm. to, like, help people get the education that you genuinely need to help succeed in this country? Like, why aren't the loans at least, like, very low interest? I would be willing to just pay back the principal if you want the money back. But, like, these companies have added, like, thousands upon thousands of dollars of interest onto things. So people just can't get ahead of them. So I really hope he does something. And I hope it's not just... $10,000 like people have been proposing. I hope it is the $50,000 that the Democrats are pushing for. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, But that isn't the only bummer news this week. Also, I have found out something that is angering me that Velveeta and British nail polish brand Nails Inc. have paired up in a collaboration 
with Kraft Heinz called the La Dolce Velveeta campaign, mm. which is all about stepping out in a confident, unapologetic way to show the world that you're living a life filled with outrageous pleasure. That's their quote, not mine. Okay. And one of the first things they're doing as part of this campaign is introducing a $15 Velveeta manicure. Wait, what? Now your nails can smell like Velveeta cheese. That's right. That's what I said. A limited edition set of two cheese-scented polishes will cost Cheese Fanatics $15 on the Nails, Inc. website. It includes two shades, Finger Food, a bright red, and La Dolce Velveeta, a creamy yellow color. I can't. That is... I can't. Disgusting. I I mean, why would you... Like, cheese is known for smelling bad. Like, that's the whole thing. It's delicious, but no, who wants to smell like cheese? Who wants their fingers to constantly smell like cheese? And then also, it feels like this can't even really be a thing because wouldn't the top coat that you put on top of the Velveeta thing take down some of that cheese smell? Or do they have a cheese-smelling top Top coat as well? Cheesy top coat? I mean, I don't see anything about that, but they do say that the cheesy scent appears once the nails are dry. So maybe it's just like burning through that top coat. Maybe it's cheesy as fuck. (laughs) Gross. Like, why would anybody do this? There's so many things that we need to innovate in this world. Like, cancer is still a thing. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe... Mm -hmm. Maybe we should spend some technology money <laughs> on creating yeah. things that are really helpful for the world. And uh, fixing Spectrum Internet. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I guess everybody, I, maybe Velveeta wants to be relevant again, I guess. Because I guess Velveeta was a big thing when I was like a little kid. Yeah. But I haven't heard the name Velveeta in quite some time. So maybe they're, this is just like a marketing ploy to like get people to, I don't know, smell their nails and be like, mm, you know what I'm going to go get at the supermarket? <laughs> I'm going to go get a black of Velveeta. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, Velveeta, it ain't working on me. <laughs> no, thank you. I'm good. Well, how do you feel after hearing all this, Grace? I feel weird, um, to be honest. <laughs> how about you? Yeah, kind of disgusted. Uh, we're in debt and our fingers smell like cheese. Uh, I'm not into it. Weird combination of of things. Okay, then let's get into the antidote. So this is the segment where we tell you about the culture we consumed and things we did this week to make us feel better about the bummer news. Uh, What was your antidote this week, Lady Grace? Well, um, as I've talked about before, I'm going on a trip soon. So when I go on a trip, girl, as you know, I'm getting my hair braided tomorrow, you know, and Mm -hmm. um, I get everything. I get new outfits. Like I often buy like a new bag or a new dress or something like that to go on vacation um, because, you know, I want my Instagram photos to be lit and such and so forth. That's part of the whole vacation experience, right? Part of the whole thing. So what I did um, for um, my vacation that's coming up very shortly is that I went and got a mani-pedi. Not a mani-pedi smelling of Velveeta. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, because that was going to be my question. What did it smell like? But (laughs) just a Mm mani-pedi. And, you know, it's a moment, like, I go to this place that I really love that's not too far away. And um, it has, like, these beautiful, like, chairs. And you get, like, Mm -hmm. a little thing of champagne when you go in. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, this time I tried a brand new technique where my nails are 
Korean glass nails. Sounds fancy. So I did that on my nails, like my, and, you know, did a very lovely, you know, manicure. And then probably my favorite part, actually, is the pedicure. Where <laughs> I love that you called it a pedicure. Yeah, I always do a little bit of an elevated pedicure. I don't do just the basic one. I try to... um you know, get a couple of little Bougie extra out. services to make it, you know, yes, we're trying to beautify our feet, but we are also trying to make it a self-care moment. Yeah. So I always get like one of the ones where they like put some shit on your leg and they wrap it in saran wrap and like you. Yes, that's my favorite. That's the paraffin treatment. I love that shit because I'm like, yeah, I want to go home and have my feet feeling real soft. Yeah. So the scrub and It was just so delightful. And I had my little glass of champagne and, you know, I was listening to a podcast and it just feels really luxurious. It's a simple pleasure, but it's just a moment to take care of myself and feel good in that Mm -hmm. moment, get a little foot massage. And also just like when I look down at my feet. Either when I wake up in the morning or when I'm walking outside in sandals, I'm just like, oh, look how pretty my toes are. You know, it's just one of the simple pleasures of life that I don't always. Nikki Feet is asking, how pretty are they? Post the pics. Oh, I I mean, I wanted to pull that feet website for sure. How pretty are they? (laughs) Wiki Feet wants to know. (laughs) How pretty are they? pretty cute. You know what I'm saying? They're pretty cute. So yeah, it was. it's fun. So I'm, you know, beginning my preparations for my vacay so that, you know, everything is right, you know, for the pictures when I'm overseas. Um, so Amy, that was mine. What was yours this week? Well, this is so funny because you mentioned that when you go and get a pedicure, they give you champagne. Oh, that's fancy. And my antidote this week is champagne for no reason. Why you need a reason? I didn't know you were going to say that. And I'm obsessed (laughs) with the fact that you had champagne when you had your pedicure. But literally, you know, there are times where I am anticipating like good news or something. And I want to like get myself a champagne so I can do a toast like um, with my coworkers or with my friends, you know, or like your birthday or someone has given you champagne. You're like, let me save this for an important occasion. And I want to say it was after the holidays. I happened to have a couple bottles of of Clicquot. And I was like, ooh, I got to save these for something special. I know. That's not even the fanciest one. I'm going to give you a rundown of the champagnes I like. (laughs) But like literally, I was like, I should save this for a special occasion. And then there was a day this week where I was like, being alive in America in 2022 is a fucking special occasion. You and I'm going to have champagne for no reason. And I popped a bottle, poured myself a little flute, and just like had champagne by myself. And I watched TV. I made myself a little dinner. Actually, I think the night I had it was the night that I ordered myself some sushi. So I had sushi and champagne. And I was like, I felt celebratory because I was drinking this bottle of champagne or, you know, a couple glasses. I didn't finish the bottle. Uh, I would have been sideways. But I kind of treated myself. And I've done this before. And I realized, oh, this is like a mini antidote for myself. Instead of waiting for the world to tell you when you are allowed to celebrate yourself, every now and then you can just be like, 
I'm a black woman alive in America thriving. Let me have myself a glass of bubbly. So I really like Veuve Clicquot. I like Pierre Jouet. Mm. There's also a beautiful Bella Poke bottle that Pierre Jouet does that has flowers on it that's so pretty. And then I also like there's a rosé champagne I love called, I don't actually know how to pronounce it. It's Bia Carcelmont, I think is how you say it. (laughs) Look at me with my Frenchisms. But I think it's Bia Carcelmont. And um, it's a rosé champagne and it's mad fancy. But there was a day where I went on drizzly.com and I was like, hook me up. And they did. And they did. So every now and then, don't wait for the world to tell you you're allowed to celebrate who you are, what you are, what you do, what you care about, and what you've accomplished. Every day you are here, you can celebrate. So that was my antidote this week, was a little glass of champagne. I did feel guilty the next morning because I was like, I didn't finish this and it's going flat now. And I had to pour some of it away. Like two days later, I was like... I got to pour this away. And I felt bad because I kind of wasted the champagne. But at the end of the day, who cares? I wanted to celebrate me. Yeah, yeah. I love that because I think it is important to find those little moments of celebration. Um, Because I know you work so hard and, you know, uh, so it's good. Anything that will bring a little sparkle into your day, including sparkling rosé, I think that... That's a beautiful thing. And yeah, we don't need to wait. Like, I I always say, like, you know, I'm from an immigrant family and sometimes people are like, mm-hmm. we're saving it for special. And I, I'm always yeah. telling my mom, I was just like, wear the purse. Like, do the thing. Yeah. Have the time because, you know, yeah. um, life is short. And, you know, I know that that's a cliche to say, but uh, let me tell you, once I got into my 30s, like, life started flying <laughs> Like, it started going real fast. I feel like life is real slow when you're in your teens and even in your 20s. You're like, it's forever. But it it starts going real fast as soon as you hit that big 3-0. And so, uh, you know, 2022, I can't even believe that we're more than halfway through um, at this point. Um, so, yeah, you know, if you want to have champagne on a Tuesday, girl. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. You better do it. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate that support, sis. We'll be back right after this break. Okay, welcome back to The Antidote. We have a very special guest today. Who is it, Amy? Grace. Are you ready to get your mind upgraded? Hell yeah. Because that's what's about to happen. Our guest is an internationally acclaimed writer, comedian, poet, and public speaker whose work explores themes of belonging, the human condition, and trauma. They've headlined the New York Comedy Festival and will be headlining Just for Laughs Festival in late June. They're the author of Beyond the Gender Binary and have appeared in HBO's Random Acts of Flyness, the documentary The Trans List, as well as the Netflix docuseries Series Getting Curious with Jonathan Van Ness. They're also a fellow Stanford grad right along with me, and you know I was going to mention that, so stop rolling your eyes. Now it's time for us to get curious with them. Please welcome Alok. Hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, this is a treat. <laughs> we're so excited to have you here. Um, you were the very first guest that Amy mentioned that she wanted to have on this podcast. Um, wow. So, um, so yeah, finally, dream realized. 
you're here. It's uh, <laughs> I'm sweating. <laughs> she truly <laughs> is. <laughs> she truly is. Um, so they are very impressive, aren't they? But we aren't here to talk about your many, many accomplishments, Alok. We are here to get deep. Let's check in first. How are you feeling today? Like for real, not small talk. Is there anything weighing on you in life? So much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a cancer, darling. Oh my God. Emotion. I really appreciate that instead of asking, how are you? You have the follow-up to, is there anything weighing you in life? That made me feel seen as a cancerian sign. Of course there is. I'm feeling a lot of grief right now. I just lost my aunt to cancer a few weeks ago. And she was very close to me emotionally and physically seven minutes away. So it feels like haunting to be in New York um, and feel her presence and, and, and her absence at the same time. I'm feeling a lot of pain and sadness at the rise of anti-trans discrimination and violence and legislation in this country. And it just feels kind of off-putting to me because on the one hand, I want to I wanna celebrate pride and I, I want to be happy. And I also, it's that awkward moment where you're, you want to also cry at the party because you're like, there's so much suffering in it and we have to find a way to braid it both. And then at the same time, I'm also feeling so much gratitude and so much joy to be here with you both. So I'm taking and holding a lot. Yeah. And is that not what it is to be human? I mean, yeah. <laughs> taking it and holding a lot at all times. Yeah. And it's, and it's so interesting, like, you know, the laws that have been put on in the last, like, six months have been so disgusting and sad. Um, so I totally get why there would be such a um, conflict of emotions around pride. Like, you want to celebrate, but at the same time, like, you know— Florida, Oklahoma. Yeah, it, it's a really mm -hmm. um, a troubling time to be in America right now. So I feel that. But we have yeah. to somehow lift ourselves up. And that's that's the reason why uh, Amy and I wanted to do this podcast, to like find a space to both acknowledge the sadness and and try to find a little piece of joy. And so you're our joy today. And I really appreciate that because I think for me, there's been a profound shift in my life where mm -hmm. I thought that I had to sacrifice my joy mm -hmm. or compromise my yeah. happiness in order to draw attention mm -hmm. to the severity of what I and my community was going through. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that's an extension of the very oppression that I'm trying yes. to combat is when I'm not able to access my laughter or my levity or my pleasure or my stillness. Yeah. And so I'm new to this journey, but in the past few years, I've really been trying to move joy first mm -hmm. and to actually recognize that like, there's something sacred and precious for those of us who are not supposed to be able to claim space mm -hmm. for celebration yeah. yes. and euphoria to do that. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Well, as you know, this show is called The Antidote because life is hard and we all need different antidotes to deal with all the bullshit. So we want to know, Alok, what is your antidote? In other words, what is something non-work related that is bringing you joy this week or this month or this year? Yeah. Spontaneity. Ooh. Tell me more. I'm a Virgo. I don't do that. I know. So. Please <laughs> talk to my friends. Because literally we were on a what? podcast recently and they were just like, what would you change about the angel Amy? And it, was, and it took me a while to, to, to think about it because I think she's pretty perfect. But the one thing I would change is 
I would love her to be more spontaneous. So please talk to my friend. So you're catching me. I'm in the middle of a really big tour that I just kicked off uh, about a week ago. And I'm doing like 40 cities all across the country, which means I'm deeply sleep deprived. I'm catching both flights and feelings at the same time. This is non-binary magic happening right now. And one of my favorite parts of touring in the world is I go to these places where I don't know anyone. I don't really know anything. I have no idea what's going to happen. And I end up having the most thrilling experiences after my shows because I'm just constantly surprised and full of wonder of how my expectations of what could be just disintegrate around me. Mm -hmm. And I really relish in that feeling, that sensation of being like, the world exceeds any ability for me to try to contain it or encapsulate it. And in a KO battle between me and the world, the world is always going to (laughs) win. And there's something just like so humbling and so gratifying about that certainty of knowing that any extent that I try to create control in my life and know what's going to happen, it's just never going to work. Yeah. Ah, a word. (laughs) Amy's Um. freaking out right now. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, I don't know how to crawl inside that feeling. Like, I'm like to be like, hmm. But you know what? That's (laughs) okay. Like, I hear you, but I'm like, "Uh (laughs) control. (laughs) You know what? I, you know, what you just said, Alok, reminded me of uh, my 20s in New York. And I've lost a little bit Mm. of that magic being a grown up, number one. And then uh, number two, moving to LA, where I feel like, there's so much that kind of has to be planned. But I just remember in my 20s in New York, I would just like decide to go to like a comedy show. And then it would just lead to the most magical night. End up like at a hookah bar in the East Village and meeting people from all over the world. Um, Yeah, I I need to find a, a way to get back to that. What I like about spontaneity is it reminds me that there's mm. so much beauty in the world yes. if I just take the time to notice it, that there's like mm-hmm. so many everyday miracles, mm-hmm. but we don't ever elevate them to that. And I think the way that I've been sort of coping in my grief process, um, because I just feel this like acute and pervasive sense of loss in my life right now, mm-hmm. is I've been really trying to notice all of the reminders of beautiful things around me. And so it's so easy for my brain to go to like despair. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. instead, what I did, especially in this trip to Milwaukee, is I just, I really noticed, wow, I really love what people are wearing. I love how people gesture their hands. Mm -hmm. Have I ever taken the time to admire how people blink and how many times they blink? I just love that we're alive. It's so cool and gnarly that like we get to do that. (laughs) I love, I love the sound of a voice on a microphone. I love Mm -hmm. what I can do with my voice. I I love getting ready. I love like getting my hair done and my makeup done and like looking at my face and being like, Oh my gosh, I'm alive. That's really cool. And I just like, am am really realizing that this, the key to, I don't know if I want to say happiness because that's a lot Mm -hmm. of pressure, but the key to like making it is really Mm -hmm. developing a practice of noticing and get and receiving the reminders from the universe that it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Even just that, the practice of noticing, 
Because I think that's so much of what it is to be an artist in any form Mm -hmm. and honestly to be inside your humanity is to have that practice of noticing. And I think sometimes when we're rush, rush, harried, harried, and also so regimented, like I have become, I think the pandemic has helped them with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like me just kind of like being like, there's an order, um, follow the rules, wear the mask. That I just, in some ways, I have found myself having to remind myself that I should be in the practice of noticing or mm. what I call observing or just like, like Grace and I had a conversation on the podcast a few weeks back about what I miss most about my early writing days when I didn't have so many deadlines and meetings and things and calls and Zooms was getting to go to a cafe and sit and just be and Mm, notice. mm, mm, And mm. it made me feel more creative to just be. And the more we do that and the more we notice people and things and places and experiences that are familiar and yet foreign, that are new and yet and and yet like intrinsically who we are, the more connected we are. Yeah. And yet it's so hard to do that for, you know, just because of how we live these days and we have to find the ways to do it. I'm Aries. So that is the energy I bring. Um, I am a person <laughs> who rebels against structure I don't like it. And I had been taught ever since I was a little kid that my spontaneity or my not adherence to structure um, was a bad thing. And it was something that mm. I had to beat out of myself, that I that I needed to wake up every day at 7 a.m. to get my workout on before work. And I needed to schedule my day. Mm. And whenever I do do that, I feel like in jail. So mm. it's so for me, it's been like, how much can I adult uh, while still allowing my natural um, spontaneity that I want to have in my day? I hate like waking up in a day and knowing what's going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. I just have to now because I'm an adult. Um, mm. But there was a time, like I said, in my 20s in New York, I would just wake up and I'm just like, I don't know. There's an audition today. I might go. I might not go. Right. Um, the I might. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I might is such a mighty phrase, you know? Yeah, but I've been yeah. taught, like, ever since a child, no, Grace, you have to have more structure. You have to do this. So uh, it's funny. And we judge those people. We judge the might people because we're like, oh, you don't have clarity. You don't have focus. Like, exactly. What are you trying to do? But actually, there is such a precise clarity to being able to ask yourself, what do I feel like I want to do in this moment? Mm-hmm. I might feel like I want to go out and I might feel like I want to stay and I'm only going to know in that moment. But so much of like the structures of capitalism and age make us have to have this kind of permanent narrative. This is who I am, not this is what I'm feeling moment to moment. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, so me and my co-hosts are going through opposite (laughs) struggles as far as spontaneity is concerned because we like, uh, yeah, I just, I, I, I have been beaten by adulting into having more structure than I would actually really like. I'm and so sorry, Grace. No, it's it okay. Might be my friendship. No, it's okay. <laughs> no, I think. I'm like, I have a heart out. I have a no, heart out. It's okay. <laughs> oh my God, I heart love, out. <laughs> yes. But also, what you was made life me like before heart out. <laughs> I know it's such an industry term. You don't ever hear it any yes. other place. But. Um, but now you've also made me really excited because I have a trip coming up and I'm just like, oh my God, I'm going to do what Alok does. I'm going to do spontaneity. Yes. yes, I'm very excited. 
I, I mean, a case, uh, I, I shouldn't have to like explain why spontaneity is like beneficial for us under capitalism and going to actually give us more creative ideas, mm. but to the cynics in the, in the audience, right? Mm-hmm. We we're probably hearing this being like, I don't have the luxury of spontaneity, insert right. defense coping mechanism. I truly believe, to your point about observation being an integral part of being an artist, mm-hmm. that what good artistry is, is an elaborate mirror that is actually saying, here is what I see and and reflecting back what I see in you to the world. Mm-hmm. How are we supposed to accurately do that unless we are doing the research and the research is living? Amazing. And so I, ha- I once had a therapist tell me, she was like, of course you have writer's block because you're working all the time and you're not spending any time living and yeah. you have to live in order to actually have content that you want to create. And yeah. so what I started to do is just keeping like a daily diary mm-hmm. of what I, what I'm thinking, feeling, doing in the day. And so that now whenever I need to write or create, I go back to my own life and my own memories. Mm-hmm. And that gives me such an amazing repository of encounters or ideas or provocations that I can elaborate on in a more formal art piece. Yeah, I fully agree. I'm, I'm looking kind of like, uh, because I, I'm realizing I don't really, I've historically been like, I don't believe in writer's block. It's just a, a version of fear or it's mm. just like, you know, nerves. But I have been experiencing writer's block. And every time, literally every time I've told someone I've had it, I'm like, I don't really believe in it. It's just fear. I just haven't had the time. <laughs> but some people might call it writer's block, but I don't get that. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's this lack of living. It's yeah. that I've been in the house. It's that I'm not going out. It's that I'm not doing my like, Vacation to me, like I'm very type A, very Virgo, very child of immigrants, Nigerian. But like when I go on vacation, I'm not the planner. I'm just like, I show up and I do top 10 cafes of where I'm at and just be like, oh, let's just see what where the day takes us. That's how I, and so vacation replenishes me because it's the only time in my life that I'm spontaneous, Mm -hmm. structured within this 10 day window, I will be spontaneous. (laughs) I can, I can say that that's true because we've vacationed a lot. Yeah, she knows. We vacation together. I'm like, I don't know what I want to do today. (laughs) And it's like, who are you? Yeah, I'm just like, wait, (laughs) who's this bitch here on this vacation? You body snatch my friends. (laughs) Exactly. And I'm like, it's the best feeling ever. And I'm realizing I have writer's block because I haven't taken a real ass vacation in a long time. Truly. I haven't been spontaneous. And I don't, I want to say it's like not your fault too. It's like we glorify a culture of being on all Mm. the time. Yeah. And what that actually does is it depletes us. And I've, I've been really, really thinking about depletion because people continually ask me, how do you keep going when mm. there's so much, yeah. there's so much, so many reasons not to. Mm-hmm. People keep asking me, what is your replenishing ritual? And it, it genuinely, fa- I sound like a freaking Hallmark card here saying it, but it's genuinely because I love us mm-hmm. more than they could ever hate us. And I spent okay. so much time focusing on how much they hated and forgetting how much I loved. And what I mm-hmm. notice about spontaneity is it allows me to remember why I love the things that I love. Mm-hmm. Because when you see people, not as just like coworker or identity or label, but just as like human spirit to human spirit, and you're kind of navigating a new scenario together. That's why I freaking loved 
like camp when I was younger. Or like, <laughs> yeah, you're just yeah. all in this stuff together. And it's like, that's my camp friend. We go way back. Girl, you just spent a day together. But you just <laughs> act like your best friends, you know? A potato sack race. Right. <laughs> but you made some out of popsicle sticks then. <laughs> right. forever. Yeah. And I guess I just want to bring that kind of camp trust fall. We're all in the woods for a weekend together to every conversation where it's like mm-hmm. that kind of, that kind of urgency and experimentation and awkwardness actually is what creates a kind of long lasting and enduring love that I can return to when I'm feeling depleted. And so the case then becomes vacationing is not actually about leisure. It's about survival. And that reframe I think is really important because I notice that I can always make the things that are essential for me seem like luxury goods, like rest. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, if I get eight hours, that's a reward. Are you kidding me? What? Why am I doing that to myself? Yeah. It's essential and we're calling it luxury. You're right. So um, let me ask you a question, Alok. Um, So you have obviously traveled so many places, uh, you know, in your career. But um, what would you say is your your favorite place? And it can even be at home. But like, what what is your favorite place that you've been? Hmm. There have been so many favorite places. Every time I'm touring, my manager, they just get so confused. And I'm like, yeah, 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 let's go to the Dakotas. Mm-hmm. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. to." The, and they're like, are you sure? And I'm like, absolutely. Because I promise you, there is someone who feels the same pain as me there. Mm-hmm. They may not be yeah. able to look like me or wear what I'm wearing. But mm-hmm. I promise you, they feel that same sense of loneliness. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that people should have to flee in order to not feel lonely. Yeah. I think that yeah. people should be able to be wherever they are and not feel lonely. And I want art to be that which makes people feel less lonely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And it's like a path towards healing trauma as well. Like thinking of how beauty can be that path for so many people. I mean, you have such an incredible and noteworthy sense of style right here on this podcast. I I want, I wish I could even, I can't conceptualize in words how fantastic you look. So how does fashion and beauty factor into your self-expression and into identity for you? You know, I really believe that fashion saved my life. And that is such a strange statement to say, but I'm, I mean it because before I could control my body, As a young person, clothing was the first place that I could actually on my own terms say, this is who I am. Mm. Um, And so styling myself was a way to interrupt other people's expectations of what I should be and to insist like, okay, this is who I am on my own terms. And that sense of practicing autonomy Mm -hmm. of appearance, I had just, because of so much racism and transphobia, I had been dispossessed of autonomy of my body. Mm -hmm. And so fashion kind of gave me permission to be like, you get to choose who you are and you get to design your own life. Mm -hmm. And that sense of possibility, I think, is is what I love so much about style and beauty. It's about actually like I'm in control of the ship. I'm in control of my life. And what that control actually looks like is surrendering. That's the paradox of beauty and fashion is surrendering to the fact that even though I'm wearing this amazing stiletto heel, New York will put out a rainstorm and will lie to me and gaslight me by saying that it's not going to be raining. (laughs) 
And you just have to surrender in that moment, a la Carrie Bradshaw just getting rained on in your cute, glamorous yeah. look. And yeah. then you're just like, wow. That's also the parts that I love about fashion. Precisely, it's impracticality. Yeah. yeah. People will be like, fashion is practical, but I'm like, that's what I love about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's me here too. for beauty's sake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I've been like, I had sort of always loved fashion as like a little kid. Like I used to wait for, uh, you know, the InStyle magazine for the Oscars to come all the time. And I used to to do so, like dream about like being able to wear, I think I used to be obsessed with like Dolce & Gabbana back in the day. And so I kind of gave that up because I didn't have the money or the resources. And um, about two years ago, I really started like getting into luxury and getting into fashion more. And it's been so fun to rediscover what I actually do like because I had made everything practical for so long because I was living in New York. And right now I am currently in the process of learning how to walk in heels again because I kind of forgot because I didn't do it (laughs) for so long. Uh, You know, probably that's just my my 20s in New York because, you know, in New York you just get used to being like flats. (laughs) And then also the feminist in me was just like, if he gonna wanna holler at me in those heels, he gonna wanna holler at me on the ground, okay? But I do love the look of them, so now I'm learning how to walk in them for me, you know, and it's like a completely different experience. Yeah, I think beauty is for you. Mm -hmm. And it's so wrong and egregious to me that so much of the beauty conversation is about looking beautiful to other people. Mm -hmm. I I, Mm -hmm. I actually really believe in self-intimacy as the highest and most elevated form of romance. Because Mm. when all these partners leave us and you're (laughs) left with yourself, if you're looking at yourself being like, I'm nothing, Mm. that's going to cut deeper than what anything anyone else can say or do to you. So true. And so the the self-compassion work that I've been really trying to work on Mm. has brought me to beauty and fashion as a place and as a location to return to my body. The Mm. rituals of like getting in makeup, of doing my skincare routine, of planning my outfit. I'm me. And once again, people inherit that conversation as luxury. That's, it feels like a reoccurring theme that the things mm-hmm. that are perhaps most vital and essential mm-hmm. are seen as superfluous and excessive, mm-hmm. but that they're seen as such because the very criteria they're being evaluated through are the people who don't want us to be joyous and free. So of course, right. the things that give us joy and free, they're going to say are redundant mm-hmm. <laughs> and the things that are killing us and poisoning us, they're going to say are essential. So we have to do that inversion. Um, I wanted to say, I listened uh, to your interview on the Man Enough podcast, um, and you said something that made me almost swerve into traffic as I tried to write it down. You said, the antidote to trauma is compassion. Mm. And that's obviously so relevant to our show. Um, And we're wondering if you could expand on that or tell us how you practice compassion and self-compassion in your life. Yes. Great question. Thank you. I'm sorry you almost swore to drop the cat. That's really... <laughs> like, you're reminding me of Gen Z being like, run me over. I love you that much. I'm like, okay, whoa. There's just like kind of macabre sense. Amy, it's a podcast. You can listen to it later again, Amy. <laughs> no! <laughs> no, I must capture it right now. <laughs> right. I mean, but I, here's the thing. I lived in LA for six months. I understand. Sometimes you really have to pee so bad. 
and you're not going to be able to get to the toilet for about 20 minutes. And so you have to intentionally listen because you're trying to distract yourself from that other need. So that podcast, you like if you would, if you had lost that attention, who knows what had happened? Yes, it was keeping the bladder toilet. I think that's actually my career. It's to keep, it's to be so compelling. I can give relief to people who really need to shit if they're stuck in traffic. I want to be that kind of urgency. Um, yeah, when I'm talking about antidotes, like here, here's the bigger secret and why I'm so excited mm-hmm. about what you're all doing. I actually do think that we can heal. Mm-hmm. And I do think that we can get free. And I know that's like not in vogue right now, mm-hmm. where people are like so yeah. committed to cynicism as mm-hmm. like, yeah, like I'm radical because I'm critical. Mm-hmm. I actually think hope is the radical practice. Like, hello. I agree. And when I'm talking about antidotes, it's actually coming from a deeply hopeful place in me that's like, yes, and yes, there's Mm -hmm. all these things here, but there are things that we can do Mm -hmm. that can actually bring us peace. Mm -hmm. And what I really champion for compassion about is not that it's actually just even about helping other people, because it's Mm -hmm. often framed as being the better person, Mm -hmm. but actually compassion for others as the ultimate act of self-love, because Mm -hmm. I love myself enough to not be perturbed by you and your lower frequency Uh, i don't want to invite that negative energy into me because that's going to increase my cortisol production and stress Mm -hmm. me out and manifest this physical pain that i don't want to deal with so i relinquish myself from even your ability to contaminate my energy and then like what i've been thinking about in my life with all the stuff that's been going on you know against trans and gay and black people and brown people in this country, sometimes when I think about like the way that people vote and they think about us, it affects me being in the world. I find myself looking Mm. around at people, not with compassion, but I'm just like, are you one of those? Are you one of those? Mm. So I Mm. feel like you're so right. Like if I were to be able to get to a place where I realize it's just a lower vibration, I can stay at my vibration without being dragged down by other people's vibrations. Sorry, please continue. It's weird because Alok's been out here sounding like Jesus recently. All these Christians <laughs> keep messaging me like, talking a lot like a Christian. And I'm like, okay, a man in a dress, Jesus or Alok, what's good? And What's good? What's actually good? <laughs> and I just really, this word mercy keeps coming up to me. Mm-hmm. Is that now I'm able to see people are operating from a low frequency because they've been taught a malnourished definition of love. They've not had access to care and intimacy. I feel mercy. I'm so sorry that you are wasting your precious time on earth mm-hmm. oppressing me when you could be playing Mario Kart. What the hell oh are you doing? Oh my God, yes, 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 <laughs> yes. You could be watching yes. Drag Race. You could right. be getting all the Kerox seeds. You could be having sex. <laughs> okay. I will, I will ask one last question because I think this is a quick answer. So what would you say is your proudest non-career accomplishment? Mm. Being alive. Winning is living. Living is winning. Mm. And I just really do not take it for granted mm. that I'm here. A lot of things to try to make it so that I'm not here. 
And I just have to return to that basic and fundamental fact that even if I don't produce anything or even if I don't do anything, Mm -hmm. I'm producing a breath. And that is an elaborate love poem. You're here. We are our ancestors' wildest dreams. That's what I always have to bring it back to. Because like even when I'm having a terrible time, I'm just like, oh, my God, 100 years ago, I could never be this. Mm -hmm. Um. Well, thank you. Wow. (laughs) I feel so much better now that we've talked to you. I just can't wait for you to vacation, Amy. That's what I really want. I want like like, wild Instagram stories of you on vacation. Like I will. Amy gone wild. Like I want like people are like, who even is she? (laughs) The front of the wig is at the back. I mean, I've seen it. She she was able to do it. Like when Like who even is she? Truly. (laughs) I I am ready for my vacation <laughs> um and alok this world sucks but it sucks a little less because you're in it and because we've had this conversation thank you so so much uh, do you have anything coming up that uh you want to tell us about uh, anything you'd like to plug it could be just something you love not something you created i mean i'm like kind of touring the world right now mm-hmm. so like hopefully like come like come and like experience it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll be there later this month. Yeah. Amazing. We're really excited. And where can people find you on the internets? Um, every time people ask me that question, I'm like, so I'm addicted to Instagram. It feels like in- inappropriate. <laughs> so just like, follow me at my handle because it's actually a really dark thing that I'm on there all the time. <laughs> so like, hey, come and see the product of me displacing all of the other things I need to deal with my life on Instagram. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Uh, at A-L-O-K-V-M-E-N-O-M. Well, thank you so much, Alok. This has been incredible. Thank you so much, Alok. Thank you. So to close us out, we are doing our Creative Tap-In, which is our segment about creativity, as is the name. Amy, are you Mm -hmm. ready for this week's quote? Yeah, I'm ready. Creativity comes from a conflict of ideas. That is by Donatella Versace. Say it one more time. Creativity comes from a conflict of ideas. Donatella Versace. Uh, I had to laugh a little bit when I heard it because it made me think at first, like how Versace has so many like mixed patterns. (laughs) Like so many of their fabrics are like loud. Yeah, they do have very loud fabrics. (laughs) The Versace brand is beautiful. Um, But what it really makes me think of in terms of what we do, um, I think of being in the writer's room Mm -hmm. and how... Um, there will be times where you pitch something and then someone else will pitch something like, yes, and what if it was a little like this? And then, in fact, it's coming from a conflict. Like, it's like, I I don't see it your way or I see it your way, but it's not clear enough for me or um, I hadn't gotten to your way yet or I've already thought beyond that. And so that conflict of people seeing a different point of view Mm -hmm leads to creativity. I remember in the Insecure Writers Room, Prentice used to always say, like, we live in the gray and we would choose story on, based on when there were two opposing points of view that we would argue about in the room um, or t- discuss in the room at random, like who we should end up with. Like, because we had conflict over it, we wrote that into the story, you know? It's like, she had to have tension over mm-hmm. it too. Um, and we did that every season. Like, whose fault is this fight? Is it Molly's or Issa's? 
every season we had a few storylines that were bred from a conflict of ideas mm-hmm. and it led to creative ways to show uh, story. So that's what it makes me think of. Uh, fashion and writing. What about you, <laughs> Actually, this is the first time that it made us think of the same thing. Yeah, it made me oh, wow. also think about the writer's room and how, you know, at certain times, and I still struggle with this right now, I'll be like, no, that's what I think. <laughs> and you guys, if you don't see why it needs to be this way, then... I'm going to be mad. No. But honestly, the best stuff comes when your idea interacts with another idea. So it's not even always like that. Sometimes the writer's room will get into a real big flow. So it's like, yes, and, yes, and, yes, Mm. and. And you're sort of on the same track and you're getting excited about that you're always, that you're all heading in the same direction. But no, mm-hmm. sometimes it's something that comes from an opposite idea or something that comes all the way left. Or you might say something that has a dress in it, for example, and you're just like, oh, addressing this. And somebody will come up with a pitch about addressing a problem. And you're like, no, no, I meant mm. a, dr- a physical a, a piece of clothing. But no, their brain turned it into addressing something. Oh, and yes, sometimes yes. that's like... One of those happy accidents that makes um, the work kind of come alive. Um, Also, I kind of think about that right now. I do get a good number of notes in my life right now Mm because I'm developing several projects. (laughs) Um, And, you know, writers always sometimes say that, oh, this person at the network didn't know what they were talking about. Da-da-da-da-da-da. But sometimes... Um, and oftentimes, frankly, um, they're mm-hmm. putting a finger on something that even though, even if you don't address the note exactly like how, um, they want you to do it, they are pinpointing something that's bumping. And sometimes that note will actually activate your creativity to like, okay, yeah. I have to give this person what they want because they are financing this thing. Uh, they are my <laughs> boss. So I have to try to, to satisfy myself and satisfy them. And the challenge yeah. of that um, sometimes makes something even better than what you originally conceived or that you were holding on to. So um, yes, this quote feels like the essence of being a TV writer, really. <laughs> Okay, thank you for listening to The Antidote. We hope that this injected a little bit of joy into your week. I know it did mine. Um, Alok had bars. How about you, Amy? Um, uh, Alok changed my whole damn life. <laughs> I'm spontaneous now, so I feel great, girl. <laughs> we should do this again sometime. Oh, we'll be here next week. And in oh, the meantime... not spontaneous. <laughs> And in the meantime, if you'd like to follow us on social, follow me, Grace, at Gracie Act. That's G-R-A-C-Y-A-C-T. And follow me, Amy, at Amy Aniobi. That's A-M-Y-A-N-I-O-B-I. And follow the show at The Antidote Pod. That's the with two E's. If you like feeling good about yourself, please subscribe and rate us five stars at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Goodbye. And celebrate being alive. 
The Antidote is hosted by us. Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards is produced by Jenna Hanchard and our associate producer is Taylor Polidor. Our executive producer is Erica Krauss and our editor is Erica Jenick. Sound mixing by Derek Ramirez. Digital production by Miju Sayuni. Talent booking by Marion Ways. Our theme music was composed and produced by TT the Artist and Cosmo the Truth. APM studio executives in charge are Chandra Kavati, Alex Shafford, and Joan Griffith. Concept created by Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. Send us your antidotes at antidoteshow.org, please. And remember to follow us on social media at The Antidote Pod. That's the with two E's. The Antidote is a production of American Public Media. Yay! 